The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello! Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. Jules, we set the intention at the start of Season 10 that we would have fun. I think we're on a roll. On it. We are on it. (laughs) This episode brought a ton of laughs and thoughtful conversation, which is what we consider our sweet spot. That's our favorite thing to do. Favorite thing. So get ready because our guest is ultra marathoner Courtney Dewalter, who will refreshingly surprise you Mm -hmm. with her approach to running, to life, even her approach to how she deals with the pain cave. And for some context, an ultra marathon is a race longer than your traditional marathon, which is, of course, 26.2 miles. Courtney is often running distances of 100 miles or more. And she is literally a complete rock star in the sport. This year, Courtney became the first person to win three iconic 100-mile races in the same year. And she actually did it Not just in the same year, she actually did it in the same summer. First, it was the Western States 100, then she ran the Hard Rock 100, and finally, the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, all within 10 weeks of each other. And incredibly, at each one, she also set a course record. Beyond just winning them, she crushed a a course record. Courtney went to the University of Denver on a skiing scholarship, and she shares in this episode how she got into running ultramarathons and her fascinating approach to crushing these 100-mile races, because that is what she's doing. Courtney is also legendary for a lot of smiling, her love of candy, nachos, and beer, which meant, of course, we had to get her thoughts on donuts. This is a fun one, party people. So get comfortable listening. It's Courtney Dewalter. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. 
I shorten everything. Yeah, love it. How are you? Good. You are such a friggin' rock star. It's well, been so likewise. fun to read up on all your stuff. Thank you. You blow my mind. I'm like, oh my God, we have to get her on, Lynn. <laughs> so <laughs> had cool. you ever heard of ultra running before? I had, yeah. Okay. I mean, I like running. I've never really done like even marathons. I've done like halves, but like you ultra runners, I'm just like, oh God. Yeah, um, it's a cool sport and uh, anyone can do it. So let me know when you want to sign up for one. I'll come through you. <laughs> God. <laughs> that would anyone, be so cool. Anyone? Really? Should we put that in air quotes? Anyone can do it. No, I, it doesn't need air quotes. Anyone uh, can do it. Oh, gosh. I will jump in because, Courtney, how I learned about you was through another sort of crazed ultra runner, ultra racer, Jesse Itzler. Yeah. Awesome. I follow him on Instagram because I'm a huge Sarah Blakely fan. That's so cool. I was just with Jesse yesterday at he put on this big running festival and uh, we hung out and ran a lot and people were doing like saunas and cold plunges. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that I have yet to tell Julie this story is the universe completely conspired to have all of us here today. Tell me more. Yes. So Julie and I divide and conquer when it comes to guest outreach. So I was like, all right, I'll take this on, you know, put on my, re my reporter cap. I'm like, I will find Courtney. I actually initially thought Instagram would be a good place to start. Either DMU or DM All Day Running Company, which is Jesse, it's one, one of Jesse Itzler's like many business endeavors. But I'm currently off Instagram. I'm going on two months of no Instagram. So it forced me to get creative. And I went into my mental Rolodex of who in my life could possibly have Courtney's contact information. And Jules, Alyssa Ronick came to mind. She's an ESPN yeah. senior writer slash unicorn. <laughs> so a couple of Saturdays ago, I text Alyssa, do you have any connection? And she wrote me back, I don't, who are her sponsors? We went a little bit back and forth. And Alyssa was like, I, I'm so sorry, but I can't help you out with this one. So the next day, Sunday, I go for a run. The run is done. I get it. I have a text from Alyssa. She goes, okay, this is beyond crazy, but Sabina from the UTMB World Series reached out to me to pitch this series and Courtney today. I told her about your podcast and she said she's happy to connect you and get you set up with Courtney. Mysterious ways. That's so serendipitous. So how cool. put it out into the universe. I was thinking ahead of this podcast and telling the story. Julie once put out into the universe that she wanted a Toto toilet. <laughs> she got one. So if there's anything you would like to put out there today, like the floor is yours. <laughs> this is the place to do it. <laughs> uh, Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time. The first thing we always do with our guests is we have them set the scene. So where you're at, what you're doing, all those good things. 
Uh, yeah, I live in Leadville, Colorado, which is a tiny mountain town um, surrounded by a huge outdoor playground, which my <laughs> husband and I absolutely love. And uh, I enjoy running really, really far. <laughs> What's the elevation there? In Leadville, it's 10,000 feet. Oof. Hey, wait. Yeah. I couldn't even get the mail. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> people are always you like, you want me to get the newspaper, honey? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people are always like, do you, when you come down in elevation, then do you feel like a superhero yeah, running? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I never have that sensation. But when I come <laughs> back to Leadville, I feel like a dumpster for at least a few days running back at 10,000 feet. You notice it coming back up, but I haven't had the feeling when I go down that it's like, you know, super fast or super easy running. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I don't know what this says about me, but the first time I knew I needed to be friends with you was when after you had completed another one of your historic 100-mile runs that you had won by a lot of, of minutes, hours sometimes. And someone said to you, you know, how do you feel in this moment? And you said, I feel like I need a beer. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I couldn't love this woman anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I was equally impressed by what you had just done. But the fact that you're like, give me a beer, damn it. I was like, <laughs> yes. I mean, you guys know after doing something hard and like being hot usually and uh working for many hours a cold crispy beer tastes so good yep right on right on for me courtney i fell in love with you with your long inseam shorts (laughs) i'm six feet tall when i saw a picture of you rocking long shorts i was like this woman gets it we gotta get you guys some pairs i would yeah i would love to give those those a try and the thing that I am struggling with at times, though, is when I read about you, I cannot wrap my head around the numbers. So this was in the New York Times. It says, in the past 10 years, she, Courtney, has won more than 50 races of 30 miles or longer. In 2017, she won a 240-mile race in Moab, Utah, by 10 hours. (laughs) And I'm just like, I cannot compute. I mean, sometimes computing isn't that fun. (laughs) So how do you explain to people what you do? Uh, I usually just say I I run really far, (laughs) usually in the mountains. um, And that, yes, running is a physical thing, but for sure, running is hugely mental. And so the excitement and intrigue for me is the connection between our bodies and our brains. And when they're both in sync and pushing in the same direction, what we can do, because I had no idea these ultras were a thing growing up. That was not on my radar as a sport that people did. I thought marathons was the farthest people ran. And Mm -hmm. that blew my mind. Like that sounds, that sounded crazy. 26.2 miles. Um, So when I found out about the sport and started dipping my toe in, I just kept being surprised that we can do stuff like this if we just try. Well, and the crazy thing is, too, is is the whole computing part of it, which you say, you know, you don't you don't necessarily love either. You don't even plan 
a there's there there would seem in your world that ultra running it's very you know kind of excel spreadsheet gridded out of like i'm gonna run this much and i'm gonna hit this target and i'm gonna then taper off you do none of that which blew my mind yeah i just i don't prefer it <laughs> yeah and but how did you like realize like that approach worked so i grew up doing a ton of sports um, and then got into running through cross country and track all through junior high and high school. Um, and I had excellent coaches those years who modeled like what it was to train for an event, what kind of workouts there were, what, how you like mix and match things throughout a week to prepare yourself to take on whatever challenge you're aiming for. Um, and when I was done with college and still just running for fun because running was the way that I could start a day that made me feel completely there and present mm. and ready to rumble with whatever came my way. Um, so I was running uh, before I was doing ultra marathons. Um, I think I just was like drawing on that experience of my coaches growing up and um, going through, you know, my Rolodex in my brain of like, what were some of the things they had us do? And, you know, trying them now as a grown person, do I like that workout or not? Do I, um, prefer to do it this way? How do I want to piece this together? And then it became just kind of a big puzzle for me that I found hmm. I really enjoyed playing around with and figuring out on my own and, uh, making mistakes like trial and error. I've, the error part is so cool too. Um, and I've done that plenty in my last 10 years of doing these ultras and just figuring it out. And when you say error, you mean uh, like you get into a actual race and all of a sudden you realize like, oh, I went too hard or I didn't go hard enough or my legs are spent. Like, yeah, What does or, that look like? Yeah. Or I didn't prepare for this element of this specific course and mm -hmm. I could have you know, that was a thing I could have controlled in the training or just weeks where it's like I overdid it last week and now I'm paying the price by being a lot more tired this week and having to kind of reroute the forward motion. How do you tap into your body where you actually listen to what it's saying? Uh, every morning before I head out on a run while I'm drinking my two cups of coffee, I'll do like a systems check where it's really casual, it's really informal, and it's just inside my, like, it's not like a list or anything yeah. that I do. Um, but I just like run through my systems, like, how do my legs feel? How are my hmm. feet? Like, where's my head at right now? Yeah. As far as like, how far I should smash the gas pedal down today, or even like emotions or extra stress that's happening. And from that kind of gauge, um, what I should try for that day or where I should aim my run towards. Um, but even when I head out on a run, then things can change again. Yeah. If, I was going to say you could get out there and feel like crap, right? Totally. When, you, when your system check actually said, oh, I'm, I feel good. Yeah, totally. Mm. I've Sometimes I pack up because for these long runs, we wear uh, vests, hydration vests that carry our liquids and snacks and rain jackets and stuff. And sometimes I'll pack one up thinking like 
systems check said today can be a big one. And then I'll head out the door and I'm like circling after two blocks, like back home (laughs) on the couch real quick. (laughs) Wasn't today. That's not the, that's not the right move. Um, But it's been a learning process of like trusting myself to read those signals that I'm getting and read them accurately. And then trusting myself to actually react to them. Most important for me because my default mode is definitely go. Yeah. Um, The systems check helps me pump the brakes better than any data or scheduled trainings would do. Gosh. I know. We're both, we're both, our minds are blown. Yeah. That's so impressive that you trust that because the default for runners like yourself too, which we just had Lori Hennis on the NC State cross country coach who just won back to back national titles, right? And she was talking about she spends most of her time pulling back her runners, right? And that they want to go, go, go. But if you go too hard, obviously, then it's a diminished return. And you've been able to, without a coach, without that oversight, just say, okay, I'm I'm going to trust that I cannot go today, which I imagine is a really hard thing to say. I'm going to go sit on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. And it has been a learning process. I, I think over the years I've gotten better at it and uh, like put rest days uh, higher in my, you know, tiers of things I should pay attention to. Um, but it's tricky and uh, there's no like manual for how to read your own body systems, yeah. you know, so you just have to like try and then keep learning from the results of trying. How long do you think you've been trying? If you were to trace it back to when you maybe you had an aha moment of this is what works for me, how long have you been in this process? Um, probably actively acknowledging that this is a puzzle that I'm trying to figure out. And um, I would say maybe eight years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing the sport almost 11 now. And those first years, I was just kind of like signing up for stuff that sounded fun. (laughs) But I was mostly uh, doing the same, you know, one hour morning run that I had always been doing. Nothing really changed. I just was suffering a lot longer at those races on the weekends. (laughs) But I would say in the last eight years, it's been like, oh, I can actually like play around with this fantastic base I have from the coaches I had growing up and like every year accumulating more and more experience to help me get more dialed with those pieces. Yeah. The reason I asked about the time frame is that for me personally, I've been working with an incredible therapist for about four and a half years. And basically like lesson number one is you have to listen to your body. And I'm four and a half years in it, and it's still every single day. It's me practicing that. And sometimes I don't, and I pay the price. And what I'm finding is I'll pay the price a lot quicker. And the other thing that is I've, you know, I use, Julie and I I think have both at some point have used mind blown. Like I've had so many mind blowing moments on this podcast with guests. To hear your process of how you train is the most mind blowing for me. And I'm going to tell you, like, I, I feel seen because of it, because I've struggled with 
prescribed training programs my whole life. Like, oh, I, I should be doing this. And fairly recently, within the last few months, I started a strength training program. And basically each week I think, okay, I want to do this three days a week. How do I think this space is out? And then every day I've been waking up and kind of asking, okay, is today the day? In a way, I want to thank you for sharing your story so many times because in articles that keeps coming up and I've never seen it. In all the years I've read training articles, been in women's sports, I've never seen anything like this. Well, that's so cool. And uh, there's so many methods to the madness and not all of us tick the same way. So um, I know coaches and plans and data work really, really well for some people, but uh, for some Others, like, it's not the right fit. And there's, um, I don't know, we can all find our own way to, to make that work for us. You saying to Courtney about having, I've never heard this before, <laughs> actual gratitude for getting into the pain cave. I was like, WTF. <laughs> like, this woman is feeling gratitude for like getting to that point. And I can't even imagine how much of a hundred mile run is in that pain cave. But you said in one of the articles I read, like that this is a special opportunity every time it arrives that you just can't summon it whenever you want. And that I was like, wow, the perspective to go to that, like, thank you for taking me to this spot. Let's go, let's start chipping away. Yeah, have you guys been in your own pain caves? Yeah, it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. I did not feel I did not feel that same sense of gratitude. And that's why I was like, I need to change my mental frame around it. I love that you totally flipped it because you said there was a point where you really would suffer in it. And then you were like, oh hell no, I can conquer this too. Yeah, it's it's crazy how powerful our brains are and doing these really long races just keeps on reminding me of that and putting it front and center for me. But um, originally when I was starting out trying these long races, the pain cave for me was something I was trying to push away as far as possible. Like don't arrive at the pain cave. Mm -hmm. If you do stay outside of it as long as you can. <laughs> and if you're forced into it, then just survive. Like right. be make it out of it eventually. Um, and that was fine. Like, I think a visual to help us in those hard moments can be great, but I was finding that that visual didn't feel productive and it felt like a fear visual instead of like, yeah. uh, I don't know, embracing, uh, opportunity and remembering that I'm choosing to do these crazy mm -hmm. things. So why not like, accept the whole package. Um, so then, yeah, it was just like changing the story for myself. Nothing changed about what I was doing, mm -hmm. except that now when I got to the entrance, it was like a party, like stepping in full, full on, put on my party. hard hat, grab my chisel and then try and make a pile of rubble back there. Damn. Um, so that it felt like productive suffering. Wow. Do you actually, visualize that like you chipping away at that pain cave as you're in it yeah i'm super visual so i visualize it i can see it in my head and it's the same cave every time that i'm 
making bigger. So I'm going way back into the back corners now. It's gotten fairly large. That feels kind of cool too. Like the experiences from years of doing these are helping me just learn more about what's possible. But I honestly, I don't know what, what's back there. If I keep going, like, Am I going to like pop out somewhere eventually <laughs> or like, will I just, you're going to grow another re- head. Yeah. You might. <laughs> will I flat out refuse to grab the chisel again? I don't know. Like something will eventually happen where the cave will like have its end, but that's what I'm curious about oh. continuing to push towards. Well, and on top of that is this visual. Whenever you see a video of you running, you're smiling and I know there's there's pain happening and you're not always smiling, but all the videos I see are are pretty much joyful. And you have all these fans who feel that same energy. I mean, the the, the fans in, in your um, ultra tour du Mont Blanc, did I say it right? Perfect. Okay. I mean, when they were like all, are they always like that on the trail everywhere and like high-fiving you? And I would be like, I love you all, but get the hell out of the way. I'm in my cave. I mean, I'm they were like on top away, of people. you. Yeah, they were on top of you. You couldn't even weave through. It's like you're slowing her down. Stop <laughs> high-fiving her. That race is unique in uh, the amount of spectators that come out for it. It's pretty cool in that way. So that's not every race for sure. There's a lot of uh, just quiet solo miles and hours that happen usually. But I think doing hard things can be fun. I'm choosing it. So why not enjoy it? And also, I think energy passes around and back and forth. And so, you know, if you're going through people who have given you their, you know, time to be out there in the mountains, you know, they hiked in however far and now they're standing there waiting there for hours for you to come by for 10 seconds of, you know, running action. It's like, that's good energy. And I'm going to return it to you because uh, that helps everybody, I think. When you cross cross the finish line of that ultra tour, you you call it UTMB, right? Yeah, you can call it UTMB. That UTMB, right? That was your third in how many months? Uh, I was third in like 10 weeks. 10 weeks, right. Okay. So third in 10 weeks. And you had never done three 100-mile races like that. Like you you had done them and won them in different various summers, but never together. So when you decided to do that and you weren't sure what was going to happen, when you crossed that line and you not only finished it, you finished it winning all three races, which had never been done, what went through your mind? I was so thankful to be at that finish line that UTMB was really hard. This past summer, being the third in the string of them and uh the third visit to the pain cave in 10 weeks time is that's a lot of pain cave visits. I was so thankful to be at that finish line. And I couldn't believe that my legs and my feet and my brain all allowed me to try this. How did like the body feel? 
terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I I just like am amazed that you're such a superwoman that you can get through that. You like just dragged yourself over that line. It's incredible that you're able to I dragged myself a lot of hours in that race. I my legs were blown around mile 60. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Yeah, and so it was a so 40 more miles of like, okay, I'm just gonna will this out. Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's like your hat says be here now. And that was exactly what it was, is it was just staying in that moment and doing the next step as best I could. Because if you think of 40 miles ahead, you're going to talk yourself out of ever, like, you'll yeah. just live on whatever mountain you're on in that moment, you know? Yeah. It'll be like, well, I guess I'm a resident up here because I'm never going <laughs> to make it anywhere else. Peace out. Looks yeah. really nice right here. So it was very much like, okay, you can do one more step. And yeah. then after that, one more step and just wow. being right there. Left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. We learned exactly. that from Candace Parker via Pat Summit. Yeah. You made uh, some real dents in the pain cave this summer. What were some of the lessons that you took out of it? My um, big hope going into the summer was to string these races together to try to learn more about recovery between them and uh, how to play with that part of the puzzle specifically, because the first 200 mile races were three weeks apart. Three weeks goes really fast in recovery like that. And so I'm hoping to now have just gained more experience doing it and, you know, have gotten to try a few different things, mostly nothing like earth shattering. It was mostly like listening to my body, Mm -hmm. eating a lot and uh, then just easy motion, you know, walking or biking or whatever. But I think just going through it and uh, gathering all of the experience will be helpful moving forward. And that you would eat as your body dictated, right? If if you craved a cheeseburger, let's go for the cheeseburger or the nachos or the candy or the beer or all of the things I love in life right there. Donuts. <laughs> Do you eat donuts, Courtney? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. Thank God. Wait, what's your favorite Four. donut? Uh, anything larger than my head and really like gooey and stodgy, like a big old cinnamon roll. Ooh. Which yeah, yours? The, the frosting is the star for sure. So I want it on there thick and probably with sprinkles. <laughs> what's your frosting of choice? Chocolate. Or white. I like the white frosting, too. Okay. Yeah. I come Ooh. in with a glazed. Classic. Do you have a power animal? What's a power animal? So An animal that you relate to. No, but I really love cows, so. <laughs> <laughs> Why? That's so good. Because you're in the hills with them all the time. <laughs> They're your people. Yeah. All right. I got I got something to play. You can play with on your next 100 mile run. You ready for this? Yeah. You can summon a power animal. So you just, put, you just put it out there. You know, breathe, whatever it is in that moment to be here now. And you can summon a power animal. So that's kind of, um, that could be interesting because 
during these long ones, I sometimes hallucinate <laughs> if I've been up for a really long time and I've hallucinated a leopard lounging in a hammock. And so maybe a casual leopard is my power animal. A chill no, leopard. No cows, no cows are lounging in the hammocks yet. I have not hallucinated a cow, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's uh, insane. You're my hero. <laughs> I did wear this hat for you. Really? Actually. Yeah. Oh, that's because so I, cool. Because I've heard you say that with your races, like the the importance of like being in the moment, step by step. And I was like, I'm going to put on my be here now hat for Courtney. Thank She'll you. respect that. I love that's this That's so hat. perfect. Courtney, you spend so much time out on your own competing. Would you be interested in going head to head with Julie in a game. Absolutely. I'm nervous though. You should be, Courtney. I'm <laughs> Have really you been good at practicing? This. I'm really good at this. I suck at this. But I am gonna change my mental frame around the Lynn game. I'm bringing my heart at and chisel, damn it, and my squeaky toy. My squeaky toy. Um Billie Jean King had it. She was just on our podcast this, this last week. So she had the ball. It's a tennis ball. So I feel like I'm going to channel the kinger and actually win one of these GD games. <laughs> Wait, what's your streak at? Not very good. Like zero. <laughs> I lost. I lose quite a bit. It's Don't trivia. You... I'm not real good at trivia. Yeah. I, I just, it's okay. I'm okay with it. Don't let, let me. Rigs don't on. just let me win. Really bring it. I, I'm gonna bring it. I always bring it. I never let him win. That's the really pathetic part about it. <laughs> I wish I could say like I'm just being nice for the guests, but I really am trying, and I can never win. <laughs> but sometimes when you do try to be strategic, it always backs backfires. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm so. It's like so. I'm so competitive, and I have no competitive outlet anymore. That I get really competitive with this game. Billy Jean last week was like, I don't want to keep score. I was like, Oh that we are keeping score. It's kind well, of I'm, I'm pumped to be part of this then. Yeah. Let's see. We'll see. The we rules of the Lynn end. game. Uh, it's five questions, best of five wins, all trivia, all multiple choice. Before I get into what the theme of the trivia is, the most important part is the noisemaker for when you chime in for your answer. Courtney, what do you have for us today? Being a Minnesotan, I have brought my loon whistle with me today. <laughs> <laughs> the so loon weird. is the Minnesota state bird. Uh-huh. Classier than. Can you guys hear that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's how I'll be chiming in. And anytime mm -hmm. you think you know the answer, you can just fire up that loon <laughs> and let her rip. Classier than a goose. <laughs> the theme Minnesota. of this game is grab bag. Anything goes. Anything. Questions are about anything. Wow. All right. Buckle okay. up. I might have a chance. I thought you were going to do running. Okay. Question one. What color is a giraffe's tongue? Is it A? <laughs> Courtney, do you have an answer? Black. Incorrect. Oh! <laughs> Julie, here are your options. Now, this is all according to the internet. So just like, you know, take it with a grain of salt. A, purple. B, blue. Or C, green. Jules. Purple. Correct. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It, I mean, purpley black, maybe. Purplish black. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like a dark purple hue. 
I can see that. Question two. I got too excited. I forgot there were going to be multiple choice uh, <laughs> options. Good energy. Which singer's real name is Robin Fenty? Is it A, Rihanna, B, Lizzo, or C, Lady Gaga? <laughs> oh, just hold out, Courtney. Just hold out. Just hold. You can hold out. You can totally hold out if you want to, or to, or chime in. It's like no, whatever. She knows it. Okay. You know it. <laughs> I'm losing it. I am losing ever. it. Uh, B. Incorrect. Jules, your choice. Who's B? Who's B? Lizzo. Lizzo. Your choices are. Fenty. Fenty was the last name? Yeah. Yes. I'm going to say Lady Gaga. Incorrect. It's Rihanna. Wow. Okay. All right. Moving on. One zero still. Question three. How many pounds are in a ton? A, 1,500 pounds. B, 2,000 pounds. Or C, 4,000 pounds. Julie. 2,000. Correct. Nice. Two zero. You had that one ready. Courtney, go to your pain cave. Yeah. Question four, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird? Is it A, Maya Angelou, B, Sylvia Plath, or C, Harper Lee? Courtney, correct. Question five, Courtney, you could tie it up. Where did Las Vegas Aces guard Kelsey Plum go to college? A, the University of Washington, B, the University of Oregon, or C, South Carolina. I should know this. I don't think she played in South Carolina. Why am I saying this out loud for you? I don't know because now I'm gonna now I'm gonna sit. Julie, University of Washington. Correct. <laughs> Dang it! It just came to me. I was like, I know this. I know this. She wore purple. <laughs> All-time leading score in the NCAA. You smashed me in that. I feel like you were being really kind. <laughs> you felt for me, and oh, I just appreciate impulse, impulse loon loon whistling over here, <laughs> and then I had to say something. <laughs> Most pressing questions, Courtney. You emit so much joy and kindness, and it's the thing that everyone talks about in your life and in your running. So I want to know, outside of running, when you're done, or maybe when you're done racing at this level, you'll never be done running, hopefully, what do you want to do? I know you did teaching before, but what do you, what do you see yourself doing? I hope to never be done running, just in general. But yeah. after this, I really have no idea. But I didn't know this chapter would exist in my life. And so I kind of stopped trying to predict what the next page will have on it. Yes. Great answer. That's good. How long could this chapter realistically at this level exist? I'm not sure, but I, I I think many more years. Like ultra runners, as they get older, they get faster often, right? Yeah. And I... just gaining the experience in your body, but also your brain is huge in the sport. So I'm, uh, yeah, I think my legs and 
my brain every day, but I'm hoping to get many more years out of them. This isn't my most pressing question, but do you do something for your brain? You are certainly do a lot of recovery things for your body. Is there something that you do mental exercises or anything like that? To recover my brain? Like you've been mentioning your brain a lot. I'm curious maybe how you either rested or stimulated or what you find interesting that kind of complements how much physicality you have going on with the running. I find it interesting that sometimes after a really tough race, my legs and the rest of my body systems will feel good and ready to run again, but my brain will be the thing asking for more time off Mm. to recover. I think that's been uh, kind of cool to learn and see happen because it shows how much it's actually needed during these events. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, that recovery doesn't look like anything special. Mm -hmm. I basically try to just not think about running, do normal life stuff with my husband and uh, friends and family. um, And that helps reset my brain usually. Yeah, that's rad. My most pressing is who is your favorite female athlete? How do you even begin to choose? (laughs) You must choose. No way. That's impossible. It's such a cool time for females in every sport, ultra running for sure. But across the board, it's like the limits are suddenly being pushed way farther than we ever predicted. So I'm a huge fan of all sports and follow along with women's sports for sure. All right. I got, I I can, I can rephrase it. Who would you invite to dinner? You get three guests, female athletes. Are you guys going to (laughs) come? Yes. Well, there's there's two two spots. (laughs) Five. Great. Five. I'm just, you got to say three. (laughs) Off the top of my head. I have no idea. I can't. Runners. I bet runners. I don't think runners. I think it would be fun to chat with women in other sports. Yeah. Hear more about just them and what got them there and what they do for fun. I would like to see you with Michaela Schifrin for sure. Yeah, I can see you and Michaela getting along smashingly well. Two mountain people. Right? Mm. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe that's what we're putting into the universe. There right. we go. I'll get that that happening. All right. High, low, cheer, Courtney. The high of your career, the low of your career, and the cheer is for someone you're grateful who's helped you along the way. The cheer is easy. My husband and I yeah. have been doing this sport as a team the whole time. He um, has been crewing me for 10 years of it and learning with me along the way. Um, And then my family and friends who have just like, it's a team sport. It's like a huge undertaking to do these hundred mile plus races with people meeting you, you know, out in the middle of nowhere in the woods to take your grimy trash and stinky socks and, you know, (laughs) tell you a joke to keep you going. So all of those people and Kevin for sure. Um, my high is probably discovering the sport and then sticking with it. My, uh, 
first years, I knew I was in love with it and liked the community, but um, I think it could have been easy to just like bop to something different, you know, once I had tried it a few times and I'm really psyched that I'm still in it and learning more every day. And my low, I don't know. Maybe um, some of the moments in races have been pretty low, but in one particular one, I was uh, laying on the side of the trail, trying not to lay in my own throw up for many hours. (laughs) On your own? On my own, in the dark, in the middle of the mountains. And that felt pretty low. What happened? Like, how'd you get out of there? Uh, Eventually, I just got up and started walking to the next aid station. But it was many hours just shivering and throwing up in the fetal position on the side of the trail. I shouldn't tell this story, though, because what I'm trying to do is get you guys to sign up (laughs) to run some ultras with me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is not helping my cause. I I did hear and read stories about you on these in these races, like actually, you know, getting other runners through the evening, the nights, like as you like, did I read somewhere that you would tell jokes throughout the night when one racer was having a particularly hard time? You literally talked her through the night. It's such good camaraderie out there, no matter where you are in the field, front, middle, back. When you pass someone or you're passed by someone, there's always time shared together and checking in on each other. And I can't think of any sport that's like that where, uh, I mean, even in the front, you're racing for the podium or whatever. If you pass someone or get passed, you're going to be like, hey, are you okay? Do you need anything? Like, Mm. here's what I have I could offer you, you know, and um, that's really special about this community. Yeah, you're sharing your food and your energy bars and all that gels. That's that's yeah, and just the good vibes. If you've got some jokes queued up or can distract for a minute, maybe it will help that person. We could use a lot more of that in this world. Lessons for life, right there, isn't it? From ultra running, take good care of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Jules, what joke do you have lined up? I know you've got one. (laughs) I do like my jokes, Courtney. Uh, I need I need more in my you need uh, more arsenal. Oh. oh, you want me to tell you a few? Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you call a bear with no teeth? We'll stay on the animal theme. What do you call a bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call a deer with no eyes? No idea. <laughs> I. I have one that's just my, it's been my go-to since high school, since I learned it. Did you hear the one about the unsharpened pencil? No. It didn't have a point. (laughs) Courtney, your turn. I'm going to use these ones now. Thank you. Your turn. Your turn. We can't let you go. What you got? Oh my gosh, on the spot. So here's my problem with telling jokes is I always mess up the (laughs) punchline. Me too. And That's kind I, of part of it, though. I love the jokes that are about animals walking into bars. Yeah. Or like, yeah. like yeah. a horse. mushroom walks into yeah. a bar and the bartender says, we don't 
serve your kind here? And the mushroom says, why? I'm a fun guy. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's one of my go-tos. Yeah. But I Any tell the it, bar ones. Yeah. I tell it as like the mushroom is trying to pick up on another mushroom and the gal keeps going, no, I'm good. And he goes, why? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> Uh, that's Maybe good. that's a better spin on it. Should we just hang out all day? I feel like that's where this is headed. Uh, yes, so I would love that. So good. So two olives were walking down the street. <laughs> all right, takeaways, Lynn. I love Courtney's image of the pain cave and how she continues to build it, not knowing what's on the other side. Yeah, she blew my mind in so many different ways because just just thinking about her talking about how she wouldn't want to go in the pain cave and the suffering of the pain cave and how she tried to avoid it and the power of the mind to reframe a situation and to frame it as you want to see it. So to take all that pain and all that anguish and actually end up in a spot where she can tell her mind, no, this is a party. And you get <laughs> you're lucky that you've been invited and that you're in that she actually showed gratitude when she got to the pain cave. To be able to reframe your brain in such a fashion, oh my gosh, that was crazy to me. And to change the visual of what she was feeling and seeing and thinking, all of it. Like the power of your mind is insane. I think at the same time, she's so conscientious of listening to her body that it's not one or the other. She's not using her brain to overpower what her body is saying. It's just that Mm -hmm. this beautiful evolution she seems, Courtney seems to be on with that relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we're both just like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. That was that was yeah. awesome. Questions permitted. What do you got? This question comes from a JFSLAer, a camper named Mia. Aw. She wrote in, how did you learn to trust your decisions and gut instinct in terms of life and in terms of playing your sport? That is a good one, Mia. If it would help you, I, I, since I knew what the question was, I had a chance to think about it, I could start. Uh-huh. For me, trusting my gut, trusting my instincts, trusting my body is crucial in decisions. At the same time, I think that how I learned how to do it in some ways was learning the hard way. Whenever I'd go against my gut, it usually pretty much always did not turn out well. And when I did trust my gut, it did turn out well. And something I continue to learn is that if I don't listen to my body, my body will raise the stakes until I do listen. And I would say that when I do listen to my instincts, that life flows like water. The other thing that I thought on is how sometimes trusting my gut, it's the decision isn't an easy one. And it's also not just for for big decisions like where you're going to go to college or should I take this job? It's with, I mean, I think it's with every decision in life. You really have to tune in and trust yourself. And I think that's what Courtney talked so much about in this episode. To me, it's the learning part that is interesting because um, there will be a period in your life when you'll go, um was that the right decision? I'm not sure. And then you listen to external noise. 
you listen to comments, you listen to reactions, you go to social media, whatever it is, and you think, oh, well, they didn't like it, or this person didn't agree with it, or, um, and what I learned over the course of time is that I cannot turn to external sources to give me justification on making decisions. Mm-hmm. Like that only clouds my judgment. What I care about is people respect me, right? And they trust me and they know that where I come from is a place of integrity. And when you have those things at your side, then, and you know, you're a good teammate, then the decision to say no to something, the decision to, um, to speak out on something that maybe isn't as popular becomes a lot easier because then you know, internally it's the right thing and not, you know, I used to have a period in my life where I waited for, well, what is the reaction to this? And now I'm like, I don't really care what the reaction to this is. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not harming anyone. I'm just speaking my mind. And mm-hmm. maybe it's different than what other thing people think, but that's okay. And I'm the one who's going to have to live with it in the end. So I think that's the thing um, that is so hard nowadays because there is so much external noise and um, and white noise that you you can't even get clarity on uh, what you want to say because you're so consumed by what people are going to react, how they're going to react. And I think if you live your life like that, it's a, it's a, um, it's, it's a, a, a life that doesn't bring any authenticity. And I, I'm all here for, for, uh, for living out how you want to live your life, not how you think others want you to live. It requires, I think too, Jules, that you have to, I'll speak for myself, I've had to work to drop the people-pleasing aspect of decisions and go with what works Mm -hmm. for me. I think we all do. I think we're all brought up that way too, right? Mm -hmm. As women. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying you you don't ever care about that, but you want people to respect you and honor you and and know that you come from a good place, but... You don't have to worry about pleasing everyone. That's for sure. Someone once said to me, and I say this often on the podcast. Yeah, I think you said it already it, this season. Yeah, yeah go yeah, for it. If you're pleasing everyone, then you're not doing everything right, right? And you're not standing for anything. I'm like, amen to that. Yeah. And on that note, thank you to our incredible Dope Village. Uh, thank you for listening. And I have one request for you, actually three. Do three quick things for us, if you would. One, please spread the word the good word uh, to help us grow this village about this podcast to subscribe and rate to the podcast if you haven't already and three let us know what you think we love the comments on the apple podcast page so put them out there so everyone can read them and and it matters it really does in terms of uh, reach and what people think and us getting guests and all of that so thank you as well to our sponsors ally and dick sporting goods and to kate diaz for our theme music as always Remember, kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. Impulse loon, loon whistling over here.